Sometimes, when I'm sitting at the table with our adult children, I imagine that I'm one of them. Of course, I'm decades older and they're not my best friends, but I sure would like them to be. I've seen Facebook memes that claim my daughter or my mom is my best friend, and there are sons who claim their dad is their best bud. It always makes me wonder, is that really possible? I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this week's episode of The Grand Life, we talk about our relationship with our adult children. This all started a few weeks ago in a conversation between you and a friend of yours about the idea of best friend. After talking to lots of friends about this, um, yeah, I'm thinking that the word best friend is not a term that really works in adult relationships. Well, why do you say that? Well, I guess I think adults have more than one friend usually, let's hope. And so I think they might use the word close friend, but not best friend, because really it's a term we should reserve for children to use. Okay, I mean, think about it. Children often introduce their friends by saying, this is my best friend, Stella. And we accept that and recognize that children have a way of kind of categorizing people in some sort of hierarchy. Um, They don't understand the idea of superlatives like good, better, best. Best is supposed to indicate the one and only. It's kind of like the word priority. Like when you think of priority, you can't have more than one priority. It has to be the top thing, right? Well, in business, you always get a batch of priorities. But the purists, yes, I would agree, think that it should be a singular word. Yeah. And so for best, it would be one person. And most of us have more than one. So that doesn't really work. But children don't really get that. I was talking to a close friend of mine, and she was talking about her twin granddaughters and how they say to each other, you're my best friend, which is so cute. But then they have a neighbor girl who came and one day and sat on their couch, and one of the twins looked at her and said, you're my best friend. And the other twin looked at the little other neighbor girl and said, you're my best friend. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> this is like, how can that work? But, you know, with children... They can have each other as their best friend, and they can have another friend as a best friend, and that's kind of how it works. And sometimes it's one person one day, and then it's another person. So it might be Stella one day. It might be somebody else the next day. Or, you know, there's a disagreement on the playground or at school, and then Eloise becomes the best friend, and Stella's no longer the best friend. So in the middle of all that, no one ever gets relegated to good friend or at least Yesterday's best friend who isn't today's best friend doesn't really have a sense of loss about it. No, I don't think so. I think children just always use that word and they fling it around because that's just how children look at things. Sometimes they go to Claire's and they buy things to indicate they have a best friend, like a friendship ring or a necklace with two parts of a heart. And I think that goes on all the way through high school, actually. Yeah. And then I think when you get to college, it might be a little different, but what do boys do? Let's keep it to the high school level. I mean, what do boys do to indicate a best friend? I I have no idea. I would say that uh, best friends who are boys, it's, it's not so much a declaration as it is an observation. That as you know, two guys are best friends, not because they say they are, because they do um, something in a declarative way. They, they just, spend a lot of time together outside of school or 
they, they show a preference for wanting to do the same kind of activity or the same kind of sport. Or you notice that they're asking for help in arranging things like uh, play dates or sleepovers or parties. Just like with adult men who practice friendship through the things that they do together, mm-hmm. I think young guys who are in effect best friends are uh, are seen as such by what they do together. So they don't put a name on it necessarily. It's just a, it's an actually like doing the friendship. No, that would be gross. <laughs> well, you know, there are different kinds of boys. So some boys might do that and some girls might We not. are generalizing. Yes, we are generalizing. In a huge way. Yeah. So... I hope we haven't hurt anybody's feelings yeah. in, in doing so. Yeah. Um, but I think in general, girls tend to want to have these like tokens to show that they have a best friend and boys don't necessarily have a token, but we don't do that as much as adults. I mean, I don't know anybody I'd buy a bracelet for and say, you're my best friend Yes, as an adult. Giving someone a token of one's esteem does not mean, and therefore you are my best friend. Yeah. I mean, maybe we say this is my close friend, but using the word best feels a little to me like ownership. Close feels more like you're just defining it, not owning a person. So I would say that there's the first thing. We can't own our children, even though we birth them. Uh, we can't really say our, they're our best friend. I mean, we have four children. We can't really name one as our best. <laughs> well, what if you only had one child? I feel like it's maybe more common for parents and adult children to consider each other best friends when it's an only child. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know if I would do that. I, I, I'd i be careful about that because, again, I feel like it's an ownership thing. Like you, you own them or something. I mean, they are yours, but they, you know, it, you're not the same age as them and you birth them. So it puts you in a different position. It's funny because we were talking a little bit about people who say, I married my best friend. Hmm. And yeah. I, I didn't marry my best friend. I mean, I, I married my love. You're my lover. You're my husband. You're not my best friend. I don't, I don't know. Okay. So there's that sense of loss I'm feeling. We talked about a little, <laughs> a little earlier. I, it's not that I once was your best friend. I just never, never achieved the mark, never, never hit the mark. <laughs> I, you don't want to be my best friend, do you? I don't know. I, I feel I, like. I, you know, be interesting to hear from people who say, I married my best friend and it was great. Or I didn't marry my best friend and I wish I had or whatever. I uh, mean, I don't, now it's starting to get a little bit too Jerry it's Springer. It's weird. I mean, I don't go to bed with my best friend. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, it's weird. You, you, you've already made that point, honey. It's <laughs> it's not me. I got it. I get it. <laughs> You're more than my best friend. Okay, there we are. There you are. <laughs> so so I would, you know, say that, that uh, we really can't name our own children as our best friend, but... I did a little snooping on the internet to see what people have to say about the idea of being besties with your adult kids. And it ran the gamut from sure you can to no, you should never. Well, I would kind of expect the internet to be sort of broad and for there to be extremes represented. But I'm also not going to believe that it's the right advice just, you know, because it's out there. So mm. how do we know which is the better advice? Well, I think the temptation is to want to be best friends. I get that. Because we love our kids. They're fun to be with and share with. And I sometimes forget that I'm a lot older. 
and my relationship with them started as one where I was the authority figure, you were the authority figure. I mean, it's a little different. That makes it hard to transition. And in fact, here's a great example. I guess two, three years ago, um, the girls, now we have three girls and one son, and the daughters decided they wanted to go with me on a Disney trip, right? And so we went for a Disney trip, and they talked about how fun it would be to keep this as a tradition and blah, blah, blah. It was kind of a girl's trip. It was a girl's trip. Well, you know, there was talk about the fact that the son, their brother, didn't get invited, and he was a little hurt that he didn't get invited. And then I recognized really quickly in the conversations that were happening that I probably was going to get booted. Like I was going to get pushed out of the equation and he was going to be invited. And I had a conversation with them, well, with our son when we were in Colorado. And he mentioned, well, mom, you know, uh, the only thing that you did wrong there was that you didn't birth yourself. <laughs> I'm older. I was, I'm the mother. So I think that that was kind of funny. I, I try not to take it personally. I got booted from the Disney trip. So they're going, they went last year, the four of them, and the four of them are going again this year. And I have not been invited back. So it was a girl's trip, then it was a sib trip. And now with one in each column, it's going to stay a sib trip. Yep. So, you know, how do I deal with this? Well, boundaries are good on both sides, like it or not. I mean, I think it's important, and I think they're good in every relationship, but I think super important with mothers and daughters, fathers and sons. Now, do you think it's harder with a mother and a daughter? And if so, why is that? Yeah, I, mean, I do. Absolutely, I do. Is it that doing and thing that you're talking about? That boys, when boys are best friends, they do things together and girls have to identify it or put a name on it or a label on it? I don't know. This is just an opinion. This is just my opinion, okay? Yeah, sure. I think that, uh, generally speaking, because boys grow to become men and their responsibility is to do, they probably have an easier time, in most cases, of defining who they are separate in identity from their dads. Mm -hmm. Because there's all this stuff that they do and men are kind of wired around that. Yeah. And women in my experience, seem to have to work harder to separate their identities from their mothers. Yeah. But I'm not exactly sure why that is. I think there's a emotional heart-level entanglement that, frankly, is just hard for me to understand sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, those boundaries for women especially include not over-identifying with your daughters. That's exactly what for I mean. Me. Yeah. So, you know, they need to grow up and away from you. And I read something that said that if you're your daughter's best friend— you might have a higher level of family dysfunction. I thought that was interesting. And, you know, the whole series called Gilmore Girls, if you remember that, with oh, Lorelai yeah. and Rory, that whole series is about that. It's about the pulling away from each other because they start out as best friends. I have to go. <sighs> Rory, can't we just sit down for a second and talk about this? I already heard everything you have to say last night. You know what? Fine. I give. It's your life. Do what you want. Thank you. You're 19. You know what you're doing. I do know what I'm doing. So you don't want to talk. We won't talk. Good. I wasn't thinking we had to talk like mom and kid. I w thought we could talk as friends, but hey, forget it. I will. Not that I take back what I said. That's your prerogative. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> he is married. 
And uh, as your friend, I have every right to point out the obvious. Which you did, twice now. Okay, and I stand by it. Though I felt maybe I could help you figure out how to handle this as your friend, who you usually turn to to help you figure out how to handle things. But if you don't want to talk, then fine. Great. We won't talk. Love the thought. So don't worry about me nagging you to talk anymore. I'm out. Terrific. That's from Season 5, Episode 1 of Gilmore Girls. And you know what you learn in this series is that it takes them several years, several seasons, to figure out that Lorelai needs to grow up. I mean, she needed to become an adult instead of a kid sharing a life with another kid. And that's really the crux of the show. It's interesting, you know, I had that experience with my own mother. Um, I, I remember very distinctly sitting in a coffee shop with her when I had made a decision she didn't like, and all of a sudden she kind of played the parent card, like the authority. And I said, I remember saying this to her because it was really hard for me to say, but I said to her, Mom, you can't pull rank on me. I mean, we can't be friends and you be my mother all at the same time. Because she was like giving me this kind of authoritative statement, this is not going to happen. And how old were you then? Well, I think it was about 22. So a very similar situation. You know, it's also, it's pretty easy to stunt your child's growth if you do that kind of thing. And uh, I think... You know, both Lorelai and my mother didn't want to stunt our growth, but I think it takes you by surprise when you're the mother, and then all of a sudden, that happens. And you're setting your child back in developing their own identity. Your young adult children can find themselves caught in family dysfunction that has been passed down for generations, like masking real feelings or yelling at each other or controlling behaviors, you know, like that character, Emily, who is Lorelai's mother in Gilmore Girls. Kids need a chance to escape those, those dysfunctions and to reinvent their own lives the way they want them to be. And that's not easy if your mother or father is your best friend because you're continuing that dysfunction. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. So, I just wonder if, if um, adult parents who suffer those kinds of dysfunctions are going to necessarily be as aware of the effect that has when you combine that with wanting to be, you know, besties with your kids. Yeah. Well, I think that's where the where the boundaries are and you need to maybe I mean, you can evolve as a an older person. You know, Lorelai finally evolved. We can evolve. We can pull away from our own family dysfunctions, but they need to pull away from that at a certain point so that it doesn't continue. They don't want to continue that. Um Another part is that close friends are people you share a lot with. And if your son or daughter is the one you're sharing with, like personal stuff, you're probably oversharing. I mean, keep your mom problems to yourself. Keep your dad problems to yourself. You can share your problems with a good friend outside of your family if you need to or go to a therapist. But it's just not fair to your adult children to talk about your problems with them. I'm not saying that it's not hard. I've made that mistake a lot of times where I don't keep that wall there between the two of us in terms of me talking about you, for example, Mike, to the kids, my own personal issues and burdening my adult children with that. I'm seeing two facets here. One is I want to be close to my adult children because I need some emotional support Mm -hmm. that I shouldn't be getting from them. Mm -hmm. The other is... I want to be best friends with my children because I really like them and I identify with them, their age, their culture, their energy, their whatever. Yeah. And that's also exceeding a boundary. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. 
it's kind of like gossip because, you know, I've heard gossip defined as saying something about another person that changes how another person views the person you're talking about. You know, so do you really want to do that with your children so that they have less esteem for the other parent? I mean, it puts them in a tough spot. It might make you feel better, but, you know, that's that's not what this is about. So find a good therapist. Your job, as one article I read stated, is to empower your child to design their own life, not help you navigate yours, <laughs> which I think is a really good way to look at it. I mean, those are the main reasons I think you might not be able to be best friends with your children. We'd love to hear what you have to think about it. Yeah, you can do that several ways. You can call us at 317-572-7876, leave a voicemail, and let us know if we can use that audio on the podcast. You can email us at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. That's all one word, grandlifeconnection. And now you can interact with us on the new Facebook group page that we put up a few weeks ago. It's called the Grand Life Podcast Fans. That's the name of the page. And there you will find questions and polls and other ways to interact about our episode topics. Finally, I put up a post on the regular Facebook page about More Than Grand. It's a great resource for you as the holidays approach. I don't think you'll regret ordering her handbook for the holidays. And if you like it, please share the post on your own Facebook page so others can find out about it. We love hearing from you and please rate or review the podcast so others can join in the conversation. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. A cool grandpa is somebody that is intentional in being involved in the life of their grandchildren. And somebody, too, that isn't necessarily giving up themselves for that role. And what I mean by that is we're still working. We're still exploring life. We're still trying to figure ourselves out. You know, what do I want to be when I'm a grown up? That's next time on The Grand Life.